This episode of Hit the Ground Running is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. I'm Christina Royster. And I'm Yasmin Gagne. And you're listening to Hit the Ground Running, a fast company podcast where we help young professionals uncover how to make it in the ever-changing world of work. Today's episode gets a little heavy. We'll be talking about experiencing grief while at work. We also cover seven ways to deal with grief while at work. As Yaz said, this episode will be a little heavy because this week has been really tough for me. What's going on? A couple weeks ago, my boyfriend's father passed away suddenly, unexpectedly. He had a heart attack while on vacation. It was just really a crazy, crazy story. The whole situation is just so tragic. And, you know, some people might say, oh, it's your boyfriend's father. Like, it's not your father. But that man was like a father-in-law to me. And so uh, I found out in the middle of the workday. And fast forward two weeks later, we just had the funeral this week. And This whole time, I've still been working from home while trying to support my boyfriend and manage my own feelings. And I unfortunately can say that this is not an unfamiliar situation for me because a few months ago in April, late April, I lost my manager here at Fast Company. She also passed away suddenly, very young. My boyfriend's dad was 59. My manager was 37. So still people that you think they had decades ahead of them and you thought you had more time with them. My manager was like a mentor to me. And then to be told over a Zoom call that she had passed away on a Wednesday and I had just emailed her, like it's traumatic. And so I've just been dealing with all these feelings the best way I can, but still pushing through work. And I feel guilty about it at times. Can I, I feel can I ask, you know, yeah. and feel free not to answer this if you don't want to, but I mean, for this most recent death. First of all, I'm sorry. Um, Thank you. But, you know, second, once you found out, tell me about what you did. You know, did you take a few hours off work? Who did you tell at work? Did you tell anyone? You know what I mean? I feel like it's happened to me before where you're in such an awkward situation because at least to me, I felt weird emailing my manager. You know what I mean? At the time. I totally get Um, it. So I found out at 3.30 on a Tuesday and, you know, I I normally end my work day around five o'clock. So as soon as I found out, I'm crying. I'm trying to, I was frazzled. I was hysterical. I really couldn't even focus on what I was doing. I tried the best I could to just, you know, I'm a social media producer here. So I, I tried my best to just hurry up and, and scavenge together some Facebook posts and, and in the day how I normally do, but it was not normal. It was not a normal day. In fact, I slacked my coworkers like, hey, just so you know, this is what's going on in my life. Just because when I'm in that kind of state and I'm, I can barely focus, and I don't really know what's going on. I could probably snap at people. I don't know what what could come out of my mouth. So I just want to let my coworkers and my fill in manager know what was going on in case I stopped answering or in case somebody couldn't get a hold of me. And, you know, I didn't want to give all the details. because I didn't even have all the details myself yet. But I felt like I had to share a little bit more because, as I said, he he wasn't really my father-in-law. We, we're not married. We're just boyfriend and girlfriend. We've only been dating for two years. But I, I wanted my team to understand how impactful this man's life was on my life because I felt like I had to explain 
why it was so serious to me. I don't know. I, I know that sounds bad, but no, I, fe- I felt like I had to explain the relationship in order for people to take it more seriously at work. Did you consider asking for time off at all? It sounds like you really just tried to push. Through. Yeah, I did not. And looking back, I probably should have because my boyfriend, obviously his father passed away and he hasn't been back to work in two weeks. But for some reason, like I said earlier, I felt guilty, like, oh, well, he wasn't my biological father, so I should keep working or I don't know. I I really didn't think it through. And I guess there's no playbook to this. There's no manual. Nobody tells you, like, here's what you do when you lose somebody. I guess if, if it was my biological mother or father, then I would, you know, use our bereavement days. But in a situation like this where it's not my biological father, I felt like, oh, you don't have an excuse and you have to keep working. But yeah. that's that's not the case. I'm sure if I asked for a couple of days off, people would understand. But in this case, I only asked off the one day for the funeral and went right back to work. This is how capitalism gets you, man. Yeah. I, I feel like I've had so many times, like, I've been like, actually sick. Yeah, like when I, I, so I got COVID last year in March. Sorry, this is a bit of a tangent. Like I knew I had COVID. I felt so terrible, but Do I was still like, trying to work. Yeah, because I was like, what if people don't believe that it's that bad? Yeah, <laughs> which doesn't make any sense. You're like, you want to convince your coworkers that you're sick. And it should really be enough for us to be like, oh, I'm sick. Like, I know I'm sick. I should take a day off or like I've I, you know, this, this is obviously very different, but it's like this death has really touched me or I feel like I need to grieve, I should just be able to take that time off. But instead, we're sitting there being like, I hope my coworkers understand. Yeah, and I don't know know if that's a a millennial thing, if that's a woman thing, because we can be emotional, or if it's just a Christina thing. Because I want to stress here, it's not like Fast Company told me like, oh, well, that sucks, keep working. That was really just my own mindset. Because my coworkers did say like, we're here for whatever you need, and we're here to help. But for some reason, I was just like, no, no, I can do it. I, I can keep doing my work. And in reality, something has to suffer. Either either my work has to suffer or my mental health has to suffer. And my mental health probably has suffered because I have not talked to a counselor or a therapist about this yet. So with, with my manager's passing in April, I did talk to some people about it. And we did have a group counseling session at Fast Company. And I felt like we handled that um, the best way we could. But at the end of the day, when she passed. And also we were already short staffed because somebody had left the team. I really felt alone. I really felt lonely. Yeah, Like, yeah, I had the rest of my team members, but at the end of the day, it was just me with no oversight anymore. I didn't have my manager to lean on. I didn't have my mentor to talk to anymore. And yeah, I just felt like I had to keep working and it just sucks. That's all I can <laughs> say. Like, I, I can't believe that we just keep churning out work like machines. I don't know. <laughs> It's, it's weird. It's weird also because I don't know if you've had this experience, but um, when I had a death in my family, it happened in the middle of a work day and I, I left the office. And when I got back to the office, it, it's like this weird thing where you don't want to like I didn't want to share it. I was not super. I just didn't want to talk about it. I felt like it was a private mm-hmm. thing. But then people will be like, yes, how are you doing? And you're like, Oh, man. Well, so so and so died because that's all you I mean, yeah. at least for me, it was like, that's all that's on my mind. At the same time, it's like a real conversation killer. And it's like asking for a lot of emotional labor. From, you know what I mean? No, I completely understand because 
right now people keep asking me like, oh, how's your boyfriend doing? Like, do you really want to know? Like, he's not doing well. So I don't really have a great answer for that. <laughs> I mean, I always just say like, oh, he's hanging in there because he is. He's doing the best he can. We all are. But yeah, that is definitely awkward when that's why I did tell my team, because I was like, let me tell them what's going on, because I'm acting like business is normal, but it's really not business as normal. So let me at least tell them my emotions behind this. And now that the funeral is over and we have laid him to rest, I'm just thinking about the grieving process. How long? You never really get over it. But when am I going to start feeling better? When is when are things going to start feeling, quote, normal? It could be months. It could be a year. I don't know. So that's where I'm at right now, because before this year, I never really lost anybody that close to me besides my grandmother. And that was expected. She was 81 years old. You know, when you, you expect your elders to pass on. But for young people to pass in the middle of the workday unexpectedly, that has just rocked my world. So I'm glad that we do have counseling and those kind of resources available at our job, because a lot of companies, I think before the pandemic, we have we have some notes here provided by our producer. Thank you very much. And the employer perspective is that prior to COVID, grief was estimated to cost employers up to $75 billion every year in lost productivity, while employee burnout caused up to $190 billion in healthcare costs every year. So jobs probably do want us to take three days to grieve. They don't want it to cost too much, but the reality is we, we just don't know. And I feel like I have definitely been going through the motions these past two weeks. I probably have not been productive at all. I, you know, I think, I think that stat from Fortune magazine that you just shared about how much COVID grief costs and how much employee burnout costs kind of almost misses something crucial, which is like, they can be one in the same. Hmm. I think that, you know, we've, in this conversation, we've been talking about kind of grief on an individual level where, you know, you might have a relative who passed away or someone close to you or a colleague, and that's obviously terrible. But I think the past year and a half, I was talking about this at an editor's meeting, actually, we were talking about kind of burnout and how to prevent it and stuff. And I was like, yeah, it's, you know, what's super weird? Like, it's really hard to acknowledge the fact that like, you could walk into a restaurant in the city right now. And I guarantee you at least one person in that restaurant will have someone close to them who died. Mm-hmm. in the past year and a half, just because of COVID alone. Yep. Like, I'm not even talking about anything else. And the the sort of collective grief that we have been experiencing is not something that we really talk about. And, like, that and burnout are, like, very linked to me yeah. in my mind, right? It's not like they're totally separate. It's hard to feel... It's hard to feel motivated on days when you read about, you know, mounting death tolls mm-hmm. or, you know, or you read about a new variant of the disease that could kill more people or you're concerned about, like, somebody who's at risk close to you. And I think, you know, we've been we've been living in this situation for two years and it is grief, you know? Yeah, like, what breaks my heart is those families who couldn't even have a proper memorial for their loved ones because during covid you could only have one person in the hospital you couldn't even have more than 10 people at a funeral just awful yeah it's crazy that it's something that we i don't think anyone knows how to address you know we think about it we've been talking about our annual productivity issue um, which i'm excited about i think it'll be good but it's hard to me it's like you know we keep talking about preventing burnout or time management or working from home and i'm like the thing that no one feels comfortable 
addressing is this kind of collective grief at just everything yeah. that's happened. Like, I don't think businesses have had to deal with that kind of, I mean, this kind of thing before, not any time recently. And I think another side for it is like, we have to sublimate that at work. And I think that the higher you go up on the food chain, so like, you know, if you're a big boss, like if you're the editor in chief, who are you going to tell? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I I feel like, like I'm in a place where I work for a lot of people and not that I necessarily would, but I could say to them, you know, this is going on or like, I need to take a few days off for X. But I also wonder, I'm like for my boss or somebody who's managing a lot of people, like they probably don't feel comfortable sharing that because there's this idea that in a team, they have to keep it together. The process of grieving is not, like doesn't make that much sense. I'll speak personally, like a close relative of mine could pass away. Like it's happened to me before, it just takes a while for it to hit you. So you're just like operating as normal. I will say like if my cat died today, I would be immediately broken up. You know what I mean? And, and I know, yeah. but I guess what I'm saying is like, I know the rankings are different. Like I know that like my, you know, like if my mom died, it would be so much worse than if my cat died, right? Yeah, but at the same time, your coworkers need to understand like whether it's your mom or your cat, grief is grief. Yeah, you know? but also the way grief works means that like you could take some bereavement time over two weeks, but maybe it'll hit you like three months later. And there's no there's yep, no way of, dress, of addressing that in the workplace without coming off as a weirdo or sharing too much. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, I don't want to think about my cat dying. She's uh, over <laughs> the weekend. She ate a bunch of our mop and oh. I was like pretty <laughs> concerned for her there. Um, oh, be careful. <laughs> but then she barfed and it was fine. This is like last year during COVID. She um ate a whole clove of garlic and shat it out, which was really special. Oh my yeah. God. But all this to say, like, you know, who knows how to deal with this? Anyway, we're going to try and find yeah. out. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll talk about seven ways to deal with your grief at work. This episode of Hit the Ground Running is brought to you by Verizon, the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com. We are going to be talking about the seven ways to deal with grief at work. And we actually have a Fast Company article here written by Erica Sweeney. And we're just going to dive right into some tips for you all to use if you are going through something similar to what we're going through. And so, I want to be clear, this is not the seven ways. It's just seven ways. Yeah, you yeah. <laughs> These aren't set in stone. This might not yeah. work for everybody, but this is definitely yeah. a good place to start. And in, on top of therapy, I am a, a big supporter of therapy, therapy, therapy. That's what I'm going to say. Did I tell you I dump, I had to uh, dump my therapist a while ago? Oh, really? What happened? Well, okay. First of all, she was, and, and, and she was like the only therapist I could find on our insurance. I wasn't <laughs> charging so much. She was, she was great, but she, she was like my age, mm, which I thought was tough, super yeah. weird. Cause I was like, wait, why would I listen to your advice? And it was a two-way street problem where, like, I really wanted her to like me to the point where I was, like, I felt like I was spending so much time trying to get her to like me that it, 
you know, I wasn't really helping myself. Aww. And and she, like, I'd tell her, like, something terrible that I did. Hypothetical, not real, but I could say something like, I cheated on my boyfriend. She'd be like, well, what else were you supposed to do? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I need someone to tell me when I'm being an asshole. And see, this is kind of what steers people away from therapy. They're like, oh, I don't want to tell a stranger about my life, or it's so hard to pick one, or it costs so much. I'm glad that telehealth is making therapy more um, accessible to everybody, but it still is a challenge, like kind of breaking that stigma and getting people to open up and talk about their feelings. My therapist, I strategically picked an older black lady because I just feel like it's very easy to just open up to somebody who reminds you of your grandma. Like (laughs) she definitely got me to open up, but then I tried to make an appointment and this lady was booked. Like that's how (laughs) so So I couldn't even get an appointment. So I'm just like this this is exactly why people don't go to therapy or like have problems with therapy. But you're like, wait, I actually need you this time. Right, exactly. Like, like not for my dumb like friend drama. Yeah, I'm because for you. a while I was seeing her and I was like, oh, I, I'm fine now. I feel better. I don't need you anymore. That's not how therapy works, people. <laughs> just so you know. That brings us to our. This is like a nice segue into our first point. Yes, which is ask for help. Ask like for literally help. like. Send that email. And and I something I want to specify is like we just talked about this and I was thinking about it afterwards, like about how you kind of need to prove your grief or how dire your situation is. Mm-hmm. Um, but you actually don't. And your boss doesn't need to ask about it. And your HR doesn't need to know. Like if you say that you need time off to grieve, that can be okay. Yeah, that's you know all what it I takes. mean. You yeah. can you can you can discuss the situation as much as you want to discuss it. And you know, you can ask for accommodations, like a lighter workload or time to readjust or whatever. But like, you don't need to like justify in how much pain you are. Yeah, I definitely have been learning that. Like, maybe I didn't need to give everybody all the details. Like, I just wanted them to know how severe it was. But yeah, and and asking for help, that is definitely something that I am terrible at. I used to always be like superwoman. Oh, I can handle anything. But when I was a social media team of one, I realized, F that, I'm asking for help. I'm, I'm passing <laughs> off any task I can. When people offer like, oh, what can I do for you? Oh, you really want to do something for me? Okay, take this off my plate. And that's that's <laughs> something that I learned. Like, I'm not saying no anymore. I mean, speaking of work or workload, you know what I mean? You needed to lighten your workload at that point. I think it's good that you asked. But I think you can also use work as a distraction. Yeah. That's our. That's, that's actually our second point. That's our second <laughs> point. You can use work as a distraction, but not to avoid your feelings. So I guess it just helps you refocus your energy during your grieving process. You know, it definitely has kept me busy because during these past couple of weeks, while I've been with my boyfriend's family, the house is heavy. The household mm-hmm. is very, very heavy and very, very sad. And when someone would pass me in the kitchen and ask me what I was doing on my laptop, it just opened up for conversation other than the sadness that we were enduring. Now I can talk about work for a little bit, you know? So I definitely understand the second point of using work as a distraction. Yeah. And um, our third point is to designate a space to be emotional. So just plan for these safe spaces where you have to step away and cry or have a quiet moment. You know, I definitely have been taking more breaks during this time. Um, I'm raise your, raise your hand. If you cried in the bathroom at work. Yes. Oh girl. (laughs) Yes. Not even just about death, but I've cried at work so many times, like for like the randomest thing. Like sometimes I'll, I watched, this is so embarrassing. I watched an ad, an old ad from like 2010 and it was like, 
a Google ad campaign about how the internet can reunite old friends that were separated during the partition of India and Pakistan. And I was like, I'm going to go sob in the bathroom for a while. Those Google ads definitely get me emotional. (laughs) Sometimes, yeah. I mean, I I feel like that's a good reason to cry. I've cried over breakups at work, so... Oh, I remember it was... It was like one of my, it was like my first month at Fast Company. I was dealing with this guy, not my current boyfriend. And we were texting back and forth. And that's, that's why you shouldn't even be texting at work. You should put your phone away and not be doing personal stuff at work. But I was texting back and forth with this guy. It was getting pretty bad. I just started crying at my desk. I'm wiping my eyes at my desk. I'm like, girl, you cannot be doing this at work. That's not professional. (laughs) But yeah, I had to grieve that relationship, so to speak, because that was over. That shit was dead. So (laughs) wait, so, so wait, you were texting and then you were like, oh, this relationship is over. Yeah, like we were texting and I was like, this is not going to work. Like it was 9 a.m. and I had just got to work at Fast Company. And the rest of the day, I was pretty messed up. <laughs> so you were like, you were like basically grieving a relationship. Yes, exactly. Oh, did yeah. You t- did you tell your coworkers in that instance? Um, my one coworker, she's like a young lady. So I feel comfortable enough to talk to her about my relationships. But everybody else, they probably looked over my desk like, why the fuck is she crying? Oh, I'm sorry. Can I say F word on here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me move on to our next point. What number is this? Number four? Know that coworkers likely mean well. So that's mm. why I asked you if you told any coworkers. And like, it's funny because I feel like if I got dumped while I was at Fast Company, I would like tell someone and be like, oh, like me and so-and-so broke up and that would be fine. And then if they asked about it like two months later, <laughs> I'd be like, fuck you. Why are you bringing that up? <laughs> No, I totally feel you. I, I definitely, I know that people mean well, but sometimes I just like, oh, can you stop asking me? And and going back, going back to earlier this year, um, in in late April, at at some point I I was just overwhelmed. So many people were emailing me and slacking me like, Hey, are you okay? I'm here if you need me. And I just got tired of repeating the same thing over and over. I wanted to set my Slack message as like, leave me alone, but I just (laughs) couldn't do that. Yeah. So I, I knew that everybody meant well, but it was definitely overwhelming for me. Yeah. But like, assume the best. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, most people are not trying to get some sense of like satisfaction or whatever. Like, most people yeah. are not, are not like monsters. Yeah. To that end, brings us to our point number five communicate how you want coworkers to show support. I personally find this pretty difficult mm. because I think it would be weird for. You know, like, say one of my grandparents died and and an editor messaged me like, hey, like, how are you feeling? I would want to be like, please email me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I know. I know what you mean. That's kind of just like putting. First of all, somebody has already passed. So the spotlight is already on you. Mm -hmm. And now if I send out a message like, hey, everyone, so and so passed. And I would just like for you all to please not message me like then the spotlight's just more on me, you know? Yeah. And somebody may be like. Why, why not? Yeah. <laughs> Be like, so, I don't know. This <laughs> point, I definitely feel you. I'm a little iffy, but mm-hmm. maybe there is, maybe there is a way to just tell people, hey, I, I'd rather my privacy today. I don't want any messages today, you know? Yeah. So our sixth point is actually one, I mean, it's coming back to something we discussed in the introduction. The sixth point in this article is remember that all grief is equal. And mm-hmm. we just talked about the fact that like, that seems kind of weird. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, These notes here say you could be going through a divorce, a miscarriage, uh, a pet's death. Or I even think about um, last year 
during, you know, the whole Black Lives Matter movement and the protests, Black people were grieving. While I was working from home, I'm watching Black people die on TV. I never met these people a day in my life. I didn't know who Jacob Blake was, but for a man to get shot in the back on TV and paralyzed, that, I was grieving that as well. Yeah, I get it. I mean, I think fundamentally it's like, whatever the cause is, it can have the same impact or a similar, you know what I mean? Like it's impact on you is almost, is almost independent of the cause in some sense or like, or should not, it's not independent obviously because it's cause and effect, but, but like should be considered like, that's what you should be taking into account. Like your, Mm -hmm. you know, what do you need based on your emotional space at that moment? Yeah. And our last point is to seek out resources for help. So going back to what we said about therapy, but not just therapy, you know, grief counseling. There's all different types of ways and resources to get through this. You know, um, there's different help groups. Have you ever done one of those? Like we, I think we got offered it as a benefit or whatever, where it's, <laughs> sorry, or whatever. I'm like, so, so rude to HR on this podcast, but like the, the, it, it's like, instead of going to a therapist, you can like, it's like text therapy. Yeah. So we actually, once I found out about the benefits that we had available to us, I was like, okay, this is pretty neat. Like you could just text somebody when you're feeling down. They had a, a hotline where you could just call if you just need in the moment therapy, they called it. And then of course there's more traditional where they would help you match with the therapist and you could sit down and, and have meetings with them. So there are a lot of different resources. Um, I guess you just have to find which one makes you most comfortable. Well, I hope these seven tips have helped our listeners This has just helped me, honestly, to share this with y'all and being open. So thank you for listening and thanks for letting me share. Thank you for sharing, Christina. Christina, what are you keeping tabs on this week? Well, even though this episode was kind of heavy, one thing that has been a bright spot for me this week is this collective that I joined called We Run the Internet. And it's basically a space for black people in social media to just gather and chop it up. And I've only been to one meeting so far, but um, it's basically a group of like 40 of us who all work in social media. We're all people of color and we're just giving each other advice, sharing um, job opportunities. And we called ourselves, we run the internet because I feel like black people do run the internet. We, (laughs) we, 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 control pop culture, so to speak. And so um, this is like in its infancy. I basically just started following this guy, Chris, on Twitter. His Twitter Mm -hmm. is Chris Rules underscore. He's a social community manager at Spotify. And he tweeted one day, like, I think us Black social people need to have a space to chat. And I was like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. So we've just been doing very grassroots little Zoom meetings, but I feel like this will really catch on. And now they want to expand into some like Uh, outreach at colleges and stuff. And I think it's just a very special collective because a lot of people don't understand what it's like to schedule 200 tweets or to to be the face of a company on Instagram. And so this has been a really good space for me to just talk and get advice and vent when I'm kind of burnt out, as you said, over the social media stuff. (laughs) What about you? What are you keeping tabs on? I do want to say one thing. Black people do largely control the internet but that statement is also, um, remember that kid who yodeled at Walmart? Oh, yeah. He ran the internet for a while. That's, that's like <laughs> that's like white white child erasure. Yeah. <laughs> he definitely, whatever happened to him? Wasn't he I doing don't know. Old He's Town probably, Road and stuff? He was on the Old Town Road remix. Yeah, he was. Oh, my um, gosh. <laughs> 
He's that kid forever. He's going to be 50 and he's still going to be Yodel Kid. Yes. Well, I don't know what he was called, actually. But, <laughs> um, I am going to recommend an article and continue our very sad grief theme. That's okay. That's okay. Um, the latest issue of The Atlantic magazine had an article called What Bobby McKilvane Left Behind by Jennifer Senior. It's really wonderful. And Bobby McKilvane was this um, person. He was like our age who died in 9-11 mm-hmm. and this writer Jennifer Senior wrote this wonderful article where she basically reached back out to the family and to his fiance at the time and looked at how every member sort of dealt with it over the past 20 years and mm. it's a really good article because um his father is basically a 9-11 truther like he's a conspiracy theorist and it's kind of a master class and like she writes about all of this very empathically without buying into his theories you know what i mean but it's it's just i mean it's so well written it's so interesting it's like very compassionate storytelling and um i don't know you know it's the 20th anniversary of 9-11 i've certainly been thinking about it a lot yeah this is one of the best articles i've read about it wow i'm gonna have to check it out thanks for sharing Thanks for listening to Hit the Ground Running. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and recommend this show to a colleague or a friend. Also, if you have a few minutes, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, where a new show and your review helps others find us. Or you can send us an email at podcast at fastcompany.com to let us know your thoughts and tell us if you have a question or an issue you'd like us to tackle on the show. Hit the Ground Running is produced by Franz Bowen with help from Blake Odom and with editorial oversight from Kate Davis. 